You're listening to the Brain BS Podcast, Episode 3, called Liar, Liar, Pants on Fire. where you will learn how to recognize when the BS detector in your brain is sounding off and how to use that knowledge to get what you want out of life. Now here is your host, certified life coach from the Life Coach School and podcast newbie extraordinaire, Maureen Kafkas from MK Coach LLC. Hello and welcome to episode number three. I am still going strong. It's getting easier. It's taking less time. Now, I understand because I'm listening back to the episodes, I can hear like my P's that aren't supposed to be there. I've had to edit a lot of swallows out, (laughs) which I'm pretty sure is not supposed to be in my podcast. Okay, so clearly my main priority is not the sound quality of my podcast, but I promise you it will become my priority. As soon as I get the content taken care of, I understand what I'm doing. I get this all uploaded to the RSS feed. I learn how to um, publish it in all different venues. Then I get used to creating more episodes and getting the blogs going because there's a blog for every episode that I do. So I'm doing a lot of stuff here, people, and I want to I want to tell you something that I learned at the Life Coach School that's been super valuable for me, and I think it could be for you too, is when we're trying to do a lot and we're trying to really make something happen, we kind of have to adjust our expectations from A plus to a B, you know, B plus, B minus even, depending on the situation. So right now, that's what I'm doing. So again... I've said it multiple times and I'll continue to say it. This isn't a quest for perfection. This is a quest for enlightenment and trying to help as many people as I can. So it's a work in progress. I'm glad to have you here. Today's episode is called Liar, Liar, Pants on Fire, which um, I love the title. But and I think, you know, by now, after listening to the first two episodes, that it's about the fact that our brain lies to us all the time. So today... I thought I would share with you some of the lies that my brain has been offering to me that I have thought to be factual and truths for a very long time. And then I'm going to share with you how it has changed my life and made me realize that I'm capable of achieving things that I never even thought were possible for me. Okay, so the first the first lie I'm going to talk about is related to losing weight. And before I get into the specific lie that was going on in my brain, I want to share with you um, how this all came about and um, actually a a funny thing that happened also. So I joined the Life Coach School last year, and one of the things that she does is each month she offers a special lesson. So on this particular month, it was called Eight Pounds, Lose Eight Pounds in One Month. And I had wanted to lose weight. But I actually didn't think that I could because I was older, and I'll get into that a little bit more later. But I actually uh, decided to do it because I thought it would be really good for me as a coach to learn how to do it and to, you know, all the, all the stuff that's involved with it. So I actually decided to try implementing the program myself and teaching it to other people and tried to take out an ad on Facebook so that I could get uh, people to participate. And Facebook turned it down because they said it's not possible. 
that I was not, um, I don't know, I can't think of the word right now, but that it was like I was publishing false, false hope or that, that it wasn't, it, that it wasn't something that could happen. Well, I was in a program and I pretty sure I knew it could happen because there was uh, hundreds, hundreds of women that were making it happen. So anyway, I think it's kind of funny because not only do we have some of these lies internally in ourselves, we actually have them as a society and we collectively believe them because we've heard them, these lies from so many different places and so many different people. Okay, so let's get to the specific brain BS I had going on about my weight. This is going to be really fun because this is like, this just goes to show how far I've come with this because I am going to announce my weight on this podcast. Yep, I am. So I got up to 157, which for some of you is a lot. And for some of you, it's not. And for me, it just became the number that my weight was. And it took years to get to that point for me not to make judgments about myself and um, all kinds of ways to beat myself up and moral judgments. It's kind of crazy what weight does to you, especially um, just going to say to us women. So anyway, I um, was 157. And then when I heard this on the Life Coach School that they were offering this program, I thought, okay, I'll try it. So but I was very hesitant because what I really wanted to weigh was 145. But I didn't think I could. Because I hadn't been in the 150s for like five years. And I just honestly didn't think it was possible because I really didn't even eat a lot. And I exercised regularly. So my brain did not want me to put 145 as my goal. But I decided to do it anyway. So I did this program. And I did not lose eight pounds in June. Many other people did. But I didn't. And I also gave up a lot of things and I followed a lot of protocols because this program is about reducing your over desire for eating and drinking. It's not about willpower, which is what makes it so powerful. And just on a side note, I am a certified life coach now, so I can help anybody with brain BS related to that. Okay, so back to my weight loss story. So I I was 157 and then it it took like a couple months to get to 151. I was stuck there for like a month. And then I finally got to 150. And I was so excited just to get to 150. But I really there was a part of me that thought this is not possible. If it's taking this long to get to this point, I don't think this is going to work for me. Maybe she doesn't know what she's talking about with this program. Maybe it works with other people. But if I have to give up everything, including my wine and my chocolate, eh, I'm not really sure if it's worth it. So this is where I was headed, right? I thought that I had to give up chocolate and wine in order to be able to lose the weight. So as long as I kept thinking that, I didn't lose weight. But then I decided one of the things that's involved with this um, weight loss program is intermittent fasting. I'm not sure how much you know about that, but it's choosing a time of day where you eat a period of time and then you don't eat the rest of the time. I'm not going to get into the details about it now, but it's like related to your hormones. And that's why it's so effective with women as they're aging because our hormones change. So I got to thinking about this intermittent fasting And I thought maybe 
The problem is, is that I put honey in my coffee in the morning because you're not supposed to have sugar and you're not supposed to break that fasting period, but I had to have my coffee and I also wanted to have my cream. So I decided to try having my coffee. I still had the cream, but I eliminated the honey. Well, lo and behold, I'm not kidding you. Two weeks later, I was down to 145, all because of the honey and my coffee. And here I am thinking it's my red wine and my chocolate. I was thrilled and it made me reevaluate everything in my life that I thought was to be a solid truth. I heard so much shit about set weight points and about how you can't lose the weight as you get older and each year your your set points going to go up and it's going to be harder and harder to lose the weight. I'm here to tell you it's all brain BS. I am not exaggerating when I tell you that I really believe that we are capable of doing so much more than we're doing because we are believing all these lies that are being offered to us by our brain. So let's, um, all right, let's move on to another lie that I have dealt with in my life that I have been able to get past. This lie is that I'm stupid. So I, um, when I go back and I think of when I was little and growing up, I don't, I'm not going to get into a big thing about why or how it happened, but uh, let's just suffice it to say that I thought I was stupid. I didn't think that I was smart enough to go to college. I didn't even try to go to college when everybody else was. In fact, I took a course. I took courses in high school so that I could become a secretary and have something to fall back on. And yes, the only job I ever got fired from was being a secretary. I should also point out that I got D's and F's in high school, and I flunked conduct on a regular basis and was accused of being the class clown, which thrilled my father. Suffice it to say that none of the teachers at Ursuline High School were encouraging me to go to college. Because of that, I ended up working in restaurants for years, and it became evident to me at the age of 24 that I wasn't going to be happy doing this long term and that I needed to come up with some kind of solution. So it took me, and at at that time, I decided I should go to college. But I lived in Seattle, Washington, and I literally didn't think it was possible that I could go to college anywhere but my hometown of Youngstown, Ohio. And I was not prepared to move back there at that time. So I actually ended up moving to Columbus, Ohio, and ended up working at Friday's and and was actually having some fun, but also knew that I had something that I wanted to do that I was trying to avoid, and that was the discomfort of trying to go to college. Now, before I go any further, I want to make it very clear. There is nothing about not, you know, nothing wrong with not going to college. There is nothing wrong with working in restaurants. There's nothing wrong with whatever you decide to do if you like your reasons and you're enjoying it and it's giving you satisfaction. For me, that wasn't happening. It did for a long time because I loved the freedom with working in restaurants, but I also worked a lot of holidays and I worked a lot of evenings. So it was time for me to do something different. And I moved into Columbus at 24 and I actually didn't start college till 27. So I finally... um 
got the nerve, and I did start at Youngstown State University to just to show you the power of our thoughts, because I, for whatever reason, thought that's where I needed to start. So that's where I began, and I was two years there and getting really good grades, had a scholarship, and I had everything getting paid for me, because back then it was easier to make that happen. So it was awesome, right? But then I had to decide what was my degree going to be in, And I didn't know what I wanted to do. And then when I finally did figure out what I wanted to do, I had to leave Youngstown State, give up my scholarship in order to try to get into another program with no guarantee that I was going to be able to get into it. So I did it. I gave up my scholarship. I moved to Columbus, Ohio. I got into the occupational therapy program at Ohio State. And I finished that program. Now, let me tell you, I say this so casually. I had gastroenteritis every single finals. I was throwing up and at the ER on multiple occasions because I was so stressed out, so uncomfortable, so full of doubt and fear. It was crazy, but it didn't stop me. And I still didn't think that I was smart. I'm not kidding. I still just, I, I I always had excuses or reasons for why I was able to do something. And when people would make a comment about me being intelligent, I would always say, well, I like to think I'm bright, but I, I'm not smart. I'm not a book smart person. And for the record, it was very difficult to get into an occupational therapy program back then. And it's even harder now. And I had really competitive grades. And I... I, you would think that I would have been able to think of myself as smart, but I still didn't. So flash forward, oh, I think it was 2005, I decided to get a master's in education because I was going to be a teacher. And I got through that program and I thought, well, there's no physics or chemistry involved with that. I mean, it's really not um, that hard. So you really don't have to be that smart. You just have to be you know, uh, motivated and caring and, and have the skills to be a teacher. Uh, that ended up being something that I didn't enjoy at all, especially after my student teaching. Uh, the good thing about it was that it brought me back to occupational therapy and renewed my love affair with it. So I stayed in occupational therapy for a long time, and I knew I wanted to do something different, but I just didn't have the confidence in myself to do it. And I knew for sure I was not going back to school because when I got my master's, the technology part of it was super challenging for me and it made me really uncomfortable. So flash forward again to about five years ago after my dad died and it was as if something like broke inside me and just said, okay, enough is enough. You need to do something here that you've been wanting to do for a long time and you haven't been pushing yourself and you've been stuck in apathy. So let's just do it. So I was like, okay. So I went to this scholarship of practice day at UIC in the city and I had no idea it was all about getting your doctorate in occupational therapy. So I went there that day no intention whatsoever of doing that. And I left there thinking, I'm going to get my doctorate. So you can imagine my husband, when I get these ideas, he's like, Oh, my God, you're such a lifelong learner. He just doesn't get it either, because school's not really his thing. 
So I decided that I was going to go to UIC in the city because it was the only local place to go. And I was desperately trying to avoid online programs because they scared the crap out of me. So I went to UIC and it was a horrible experience. I got hooked up with a mentor. I'm not going to mention her name here, but let's just say I wasn't feeling it and I did not feel supported by her at all. And it was just like a a bad experience. The good thing that came from it is I learned more about computers and I actually um, got rid of my fear of driving to the city. I had to drive to the southwest side of Chicago during construction and at nighttime and it was a nightmare, but I did it. So um, I did still have some good things come out of that experience. But so I decided after a couple months that there was no shame in quitting because I just knew that it wasn't where I wanted to be. I I sensed that there might be people around me that didn't think I was going to continue, but I knew I was going to. So I went to the national conference that year, and I found an online program, um, St. Catherine University in Minnesota. Well, even when I was choosing the programs, I was terrified because I didn't want to pick a school that was too hard because then I didn't think I was smart enough to do it. Especially on top of it, it's not just my grades and my intelligence. It's turning like at that point, I was like 53, I think, when I started that. So I was just like, yeah. And then the technology part, I went to orientation with the new Mac didn't know a single thing about it, couldn't even set it up or anything. They did it at the school. So then I had to bring that bring that computer back home and I had to learn everything and get my doctorate in a three-year program. And I just thought, well, smart people know how to use the computers. So I'm still having this issue, right, of not thinking that I'm smart. So I share all this with you because then I went on to complete the program I got my doctorate. I beat myself up throughout that entire program. Never thought that anything that I did was good enough. And I always thought that everyone else was smarter than me. So at what point then does one realize that this lie that they're telling themselves is not true? Well, honest to God, for me, it happened when I started at the life coach school. It kind of started to happen towards the end of my doctorate program when my teacher pointed out to me, she said, good Lord, you're hard on yourself. And I started to think about it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I am. And and if we're hard on ourselves, then we think everybody else is because we can't imagine that they're not when we see so many flaws and things that we're doing that aren't right or not up to speed. It truly wasn't until I learned about how my brain works, that I really believed and understood that the way I feel about myself is all about my thoughts. It has nothing to do with what I've accomplished or anything that I've done in my life, because I could do it all. But if I still think I'm not smart enough, or it's not enough, or I'm stupid, then listen, that's my that's my experience. I'm stupid then. I'm happy to finally report that I no longer think I'm stupid. I actually think I'm smart. I still don't think I'm really book smart. I don't think I'm that smart about technology, but boy, am I resilient and relentless, which I think pays off even more. 
So I shared two examples, one about the weight loss and how I got the result I wanted and I was able to feel a lot better. I used this second example because it was so profound and it was throughout my entire life that I had this thought. But what I loved about it is that I didn't let it stop me. So I wanted to illustrate to you too that just because you are fearful or uncomfortable doesn't mean you have to stop trying to do what you want. It just means you need to identify brain BS when you see it and not believe it. Which brings me to the next episode that we're going to talk about, and that is not letting uncomfortable emotions stop you from moving forward and getting the life you want. If you like what you heard on this podcast today and you want to hear more, subscribe to the Brain BS Podcast. If you're on Facebook and you want to enjoy lively discussions and opportunities to win prizes, you can go to the Brain BS Group. If you're not a Facebook fan, you can go to my website, www.mkcoachllc, and sign up for my emails and updates. Remember, the only thing standing between you and the life you want is your brain BS.